man, it was a rough. It was a rough two days, but I'm good now. I feel What's your good. answer to this, Cody? Just streamers all trash all over the place because of these quote unquote decor Christmas decorations. Hey, we I spent, we say, spent a solid clean in here though. It, it is. We spent like a solid hour setting all this up. We had Christmas music playing. We had a Christmas hour last night. We caroled on the station. All of us got on and we sang some songs. It's gorgeous. It was a great time. Don't worry. We'll let you take it all down. People people don't want it. Yeah, honestly, Lucas, if you, you know, December 26th, be my guest. Go for it. You can take it all down for us. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun doing that. (laughs) uh, I'll be in New York, but (laughs) when I come back, I'll for sure. Can I smash all the, I'll I'll smash all the ornaments. Is that allowed? That's That's a, that's a Susan Davis question. We should decorate for every holiday. Yeah? Yeah. That's what I think. Why only Mm. Christmas? I don't know. That's my question. I think. I don't agree with that. But. No? I thought that was the issue with Christmas. Well, we're in the I thought Christmas if we decorate spirit for every holiday here at WASU. It's like supposed to snow tonight. Ho, ho, what? Yeah, so cold. Really? So cold. We'll it, it went from like, an, it went from like it. an inch of accumulation I, uh, now to flurries everywhere and nothing's going to stay. What does but. Ray's weather say? What's a Ray's what's weather, 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 weather report? Let's see. That's what we're looking. Let me go ahead and Shout out Ray's weather. Let me give it an update here. I'm dreaming. Let's see. It is saying for overnight, mostly cloudy, snowy showers, mostly expected after midnight, especially along the Tennessee border. Winds fifteen or five to fifteen miles an hour. It's not snowing. Yeah, I think it's gonna snow. It's not gonna stick though. Let's see if it's snowing in Green Bay. Let me see. What's the point of it snowing if you don't get a little? Is it? Yeah, it's snowing right now. It's snowing on Sunday in Green Bay. Wow. I'm That's okay. Yeah. Save the first one for next semester and then don't snow. But, <laughs> I love App State basketball. This is an all-time victory lap. They're still most, like, it's yeah. crazy how the content just Well, they got fun. to. There was no, so much content is, we got from that night. It's just so, like, they just dropped the Bruce Pearl video. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> and it, was, uh, it was about, no, that was actually a good video because I was talking about, it wrapped around to Kern saying, you know, it's uh, it's not just an event. Like, now, now. Students need to show up for App State basketball. It's like it, Auburn's not going to be every night, but App State basketball will be. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good video. It was a good video. Yeah, I um, I'm working on a package for um, App TV, um, App Weekly News, and the A game. Um, haven't been able to get to it because of how rough uh, the first two days of this week have been. But um, no, when I was there, I asked um, Coach Kearns like, "What does this mean for the community?" And he was like. We do this like every Wednesday and Saturday. Like we, it's just because it's not in Auburn doesn't mean that we're not here. And I'm like, mm, okay, Deion Sanders, no, no. But in all seriousness, like love Coach Kearns, love the culture that he's brought to this program. So, I think everybody should head out and watch App State basketball. They play tonight against Central Penn at 8 p.m. So it's not too late for you to head over there. We're gonna go and give a prick, quick rundown on. What we're going to be doing, we're going to open our segment talking about App State basketball in the Auburn game. Haven't gotten to do that here on 90.5 WASU yet. And if you're <laughs> planning on going to Central Penn, uh, yes, crazy. Lucas? I just, I'm not, like, I believe me, I'm 100% support. I love App State basketball. I love the game. Great win. Guess how many posts about Auburn? <laughs> like 10? 17. <laughs> oh my God. But is that, is that including in-game, pre-game? Yeah, that's all around it. Wow. That's everything. 17. Okay. So, okay. No. Just so, yeah. I, I mean, look, you got to. You got to. But let's keep winning. <laughs> yeah, we got a game tonight, lest we forget. Yeah. Well, and even, even in the uh, in the interview with, I think it was, it was Miles Tate who said it, you know, this is just any other game. This is any other win. 
it's a great feat to beat an SEC team like Auburn, but you know we got to prepare and get ready for the next game. So players' mindsets Dog. are right there. Social media's might not be, but the players are absolutely ready for Central Penn. We'll talk about that win against Auburn, and then we'll briefly touch on App State football and their quit their trip down to Troy, Alabama. And finally, to end the show, we'll talk about the college football playoff rankings because I know all of us have sharp opinions on that. So you might want to stick around and stay tuned as we will get to all those topics. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We're right back in about two minutes right here on 90.5 WASU with Sports Wrap. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Want to start your morning with laughs, games, news and Boone, and pop culture? Tune in to the award-winning The Morning App with Cody Bear, Katie Every, Emma Roll, and Lucas Warren every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 7 a.m. right here on 90.5 WASU-FM. Get all your sports news and Sports Vegas lines on Bear Down Bets with me, Cody Bear. I'll be looking at all the lines across the sports world every weekend and giving my picks. We've been above 500 and in the green every week this year. You can get the news and picks on Bear Down Bets every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Right here on 90.5 WASU-FM. Want to join the WASU team? Get your business the recognition you deserve with underwriting at 90.5 WASU-FM. We play business as spots during our shows, music, and sports games as you cheer on your Mountaineers. Being in the official campus radio station, we reach the App State student body like nobody else. If you're interested in getting your business out to WASU listeners, just contact us at sales.wasu at gmail.com. Support for WASU programming is provided by the Eggers Law Firm on West King Street. The Eggers Law Firm provides legal services to those in need of assistance in northwestern North Carolina. Thank you for listening to your MTV College Radio Station of the Year, 90.5 WASU and WASURadio.com. to Sports Wrap here on 90.5 WASU, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. As Coach Kern said on Sunday, how about them Mountaineers? Sunday marked a historic afternoon for the high country as 7,037 roaring fans packed the Holmes Convocation Center for App State's first Power 5 opponent in 23 years. And one of the most electric atmospheres that we've seen in a long time here in Boone, North Carolina. The Mountaineers pulled off a thrilling victory over then 5-1 and Auburn, 69-64. to the Mountaineers now sit 6-2 and two and 4-0 and oh at home. Look up to pick their seventh win of the year tonight over Central Penn. In addition to this victory over Auburn, the Mountaineers now rank number 13 in the College Insider Mid-Major Top 25 and number 47 in the nation in the NCAA net rankings, the highest App State has ever been ranked in either of these polls. Before we begin our breakdown of this game, I want to talk about everybody's personal experiences at the game. How was it for you? How was the feeling like when the buzzer sounded? I want everybody's breakdown. Uh, it was not as just, you know, there was like, 
I obviously fantastic game, but there was a big chunk of me that was upset that our equipment wasn't working and that we weren't put in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that has nothing to do with the team. That was just uh, more my grief. But game wise, it was awesome. I mean, it was just kind of like uh, I don't know. It was just seeing a team. It feel it felt like you were seeing a team finally like blossom. I guess like. We talk about like this team has talent. Like these last couple of years, they won the Sun Belt a couple of years ago, and like this team was picked preseason. But I just never really bought it. Like I didn't think there's a lot of names on paper. Like Miles Tate comes from Butler, but you have to actually still play well, make shots. Jordan Marsh, high recruited guy, but you still have to come in and make plays. And I just honestly, like me and Cody were talking before the game, I really didn't think App State was going to win this game. So it's just kind of a realization, um, and I kind of. Just seeing that this team can actually win these type of games was kind of my main feeling. Yeah, it was just a lot of, like, this is the culture here. And it was really, really cool that you get to bring it all the way around because we talk all the time about how our football team competes with anyone, no matter who it is. And clearly the basketball team had the same vibe. Lucas said during the broadcast really well, like the fans here, they didn't come just because it was Auburn. Like, they came because they expected a win. Like, it wasn't just to see Auburn play. They come in with a win in mind, and so do the players. And that was really, really cool to get to see a team that worked so hard finally get to celebrate with so many fans on the court. Hopefully it does continue to be that way for more games this season. But it was really, really cool seeing that kind of mentality here at App State through all of our sports. We're going to compete with anyone. Field hockey did the same thing against Louisville this season. Really, really cool seeing the this App State basketball team show. We'll compete with anyone. You know, um, when I was assigned to this game with App TV, as I was saying earlier um, on this show, and I was told go into it, cover the general atmosphere, cover how the game will uh, just cover the general atmosphere to sell out crowd. Right? Um, we are probably going to get. They, this is their words to me. We're probably going to get demolished, so don't give us like a usual scoreboard report. Don't recap the game. Just talk about what this means for the high country. So when we won, who said that? I can't drop names. Um, <laughs> but um, the high country, I, I know, I know. I, I know. I was, I was Really? Yeah. I didn't think that we were going to – none of us thought that we were going to win, so they were like, just go and cover the event. That's like, that's somebody who hasn't watched that I mean, basketball this year. But, I mean, that's not – okay, calm down, David. <laughs> this, no, I'm, I'm – sorry. I'm, I'll ride that train until I die. So I, not for, <laughs> So when we – We were not favorites going into this. It was a seven-and-a-half-point game. Yeah, and I thought that was low. I mean, I'm just saying, like, coming into the game, you don't look at this – like, you're not in the wrong for believing that App State was probably going to no, lose No, you're not, but uh, at least have a little hope, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was like in the – they were, like, in the very rare chance that we win. Um, that's great. So I was there. And honestly, I was fighting flu like uh, I mean, I was fighting flu like flu like symptoms. Yeah, flu like symptoms on Sunday going there. But I mean, like I was like, no, that's okay. I drank some water. I felt fine. But I I went. So honestly, I'm glad that I was there because the Monday and Tuesday morning that I felt afterwards made all of it worth it. Because oh my gosh, that was one of the greatest wins in App State program history. I have to say. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was one of those moments that. I was there two hours before tip-off and late-arriving crowd, as usual, with App State. But when we went into those opening inter- – or the starting lineup introductions and they dimmed the lights, they brought the pyrotechnics out, the, there was smoke, they dropped the streamers on the student section. That's when it was – that's when it kind of set in that it was like, okay, 
This this is this is happening. This this whole place is filled. It's not like it's just the student section like it sometimes is. This whole place except for the like the upper area behind the home side basket was like the only place that really had scattered fans. Everywhere else was full, full to the brim and it was it was an atmosphere that I was praying we would get. And we got I think more than that. Bruce Pearl even said, you know, some of these guys looked a little shell shocked by what App State was able to bring. That's what happens when you don't schedule non-conference away games. Yeah. It, That's it, what Auburn did not. Why did Auburn schedule this game? I just don't ever understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, um, you know, App State's been trying to get a Power 5 here for 23 years, and Auburn Auburn just uh, happened to be the team that, that bit. But yeah. I don't know if that was a good idea. Yeah. I just, like we were talking about before, it's just like there's no win if you're Auburn. Because like, even if, if you demolish us, People would look at the scoreboard and say, well, that's what we're supposed to do. If it's a close game even, people would be like, oh, look at Auburn, barely even taking care of App State. And then they lose, and now it's going to be like, if they're on the bubble, like their people are going to look back at this game and say, like, oh, they lost to a group of five team. Like, I just, it's, yeah, there's not much to get. Well, no, I agree with you. It was a bit surprising. I mean, we went to Louisville last year, and that was a game that at the time was a really big deal before Louisville lost, like, 12 straight. but. We went into Louisville, we won that game, and ended up now back-to-back years beating Power 5 opponents, which is pretty cool in my eyes. Yeah, no, I mean, it was obviously a great win. Um, if we're going to get into that, like, the biggest thing I saw from the team, uh, at least on our end, what we did well was the impact off the bench. I just think it's kind of shocking at this point that we're still... I'd like to see what our starting lineup is tonight, because... It's just, I mean, all our scoring really comes from the bench right now. Uh, we have, obviously, Donovan Gregory's not starting lineup. Terrence Harcum scored some points, but Abson was in foul trouble early. Trayvon Spiller didn't have as big of an impact as he had has had in bigger ga- in other games. And I believe Xavion Brown started, uh, was the fifth starter. Yeah, he he plays spot minutes. He's one of those starts mm-hmm. and then sits for the entire... Yeah, he, he plays six half. minutes. Yeah, yeah but, but he's he a starter. Him, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we have to see a change in that soon. Just because, for me, like, I, I've, I'm, it's just the way I look at this stuff. Like, I obviously want to take the victory lap, but, oh, my God. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was looking up the game. Sorry. I thought you just dropped your computer. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. But, like, I just have to examine it. I just don't. I, we, I, I've had the victory lap. The one thing this, like, when you bring players off the bench, you can only play them a certain amount of minutes. And in this game, it just felt like either Miles Tate or Jordan Marsh should have been on the floor every minute of that game. I agree. Uh, yeah. One of the two. So I think one of those guys has to start and one of those guys has to come off the bench, whether you want the impact of Tate coming off the bench or if you want to start Tate and then have Marsh run that second unit. But to me, those two guys really uh, get a lot of the credit for this game, especially offensively, because our offense boiled down to, it was like a lot like NBA playoffs. We were just matchup hunting, like take screen after screen, either Donovan Gregory, Miles Tate, or Jordan Marsh were getting guys they liked one-on-one, and then they were attacking them off the dribble. They'd either get a good shot or they'd kick out to a shooter, and it was working. Uh, Miles Tate, in 26 minutes, 18 points. He was 5 for 8 from the field, 2 for 3 from 3, and that included the dagger step-back 3 with under a minute. That put the Mountaineers up 6. And then he also had 2 assists, or I think 3 assists to go along with that. And then Jordan Marsh, in 16 minutes, had 9 points. He was 4 for 9 from the field, uh, 1 for 3 from 3, but he really Really fueled that second half push that allowed App State to separate, and it's just tough baskets they were hitting. They were being asked to score late in the shot clock against a defender, and they were just isolating. And it's really impressive what they were able to do, consistently scoring in isolation and creating good shots for others as well. So I just want to give a lot of the credit to those two guards there. But yeah, yeah, 
The, and as you mentioned, the depth on this team is just so good because of how many guys that can go crazy in a night. Because you look at Donovan Gregory, Miles Tate, Jordan Marsh has done it a couple times back-to-back. Uh, in conference play, I think Spillers is going to be really, really good. C.J. Huntley was great off the bench. When Justin Apson got in foul trouble, C.J. Huntley came in and really did contain pretty well on defense. And something I was very impressed with was he played a lot in that game, and he didn't look too bad on either end. Christopher Mantis is another guy who wasn't huge in that game, but someone going forward in this season is another guy who can light you up for 20. I do agree with you, Lucas. I think it should probably be maybe Miles Tate coming in. And then when you talk about conference play with the starting lineup of Spillers, Absin, Gregory, Tate, and then maybe Harkum, he played pretty well against Auburn. I mean, that's a tough lineup. And then you still have guys like Jordan Marsh, Christopher Mantis, C.J. Huntley off the bench. That's a scary, scary rotation if you're coming into Boone. You know what I thought was interesting about this win? On paper, Auburn was stronger, taller, and faster. And in the game, there were moments where you could see, like, okay, we're not rebounding as good as we should be because Auburn's guys are just a little bit bigger than we are. But we still found a way to win the game because we fit, we played harder. The culture that we play with, that underdog mentality, we embrace it. You know, we take the stairs, that sort of thing. That's the thing that I think really put us over the top because a team like Auburn, they ha- they can recruit better. People know who Auburn is. They can go out and get the quote unquote better players. I mean, like, at, and I, I say quote unquote literally with quotations because, like, yes, giving credit where it's due. Well, Aiden Aiden Holloway. Guy from Charlotte, North Carolina, yeah. playing on Auburn, right? And I mean, and, and Auburn, it's Auburn. Like, yeah, most of those guys are four stars. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Auburn. But the thing that made them, I think, the thing that really put them out in years over the top is these. A lot of the guys on App State's basketball team, I feel like, are got guys who may have been quote unquote written off. Miles Tate was a transfer from Butler and you got uh Trevon Spillers who started out in JUCO ball and then got an opportunity to play for App State. There are guys on this team I'm not I'm not saying it's like last chance you. No God no that's not at all what I'm saying. But there are guys on this team who feel like they have something to prove. And I feel like that combined with the culture that App State basketball has, thanks to Coach Kearns, is what gave us that win on Sunday. You've got, you can kind of see some of that out of Donovan Gregory coming back for his fifth year and improving his play style. Gregory isn't just a, a drive and fadeaway kind of guy anymore. We've seen him take a lot more threes to start this year. We've seen him drive to the bucket more than he did last year. He still hits those mid-range shots, but he's kind of turned more into a well-diverse player. And, and you can tell there's a lot of work that went in over this offseason. There was a ton of work that went in for these guys who were returning. And I think that culture and mentality in the locker room has been we can win the Sun Belt. I don't think that's really changed since they set out as their goal with that. And seeing the development from Donovan Gregory, just the way that both Trayvon Spillers and Miles Tate have been able to incorporate themselves into this program. Freshmen like Jordan Marsh is a prime example of seeing App State recruiting, taking a step up, being able to get guys out of high school. It doesn't have to just be transfers who have talent and that ability and being able to put Everything you've worked on with this entire squad together and head out there against Auburn and pick up a win, I mean, it's it's a program win. This is one that we're going to be celebrating for years from now. Amen. Yeah, I uh, obviously a great win for App State, and I wanted to start and let everybody give the roses to App State, and they deserve it. But I will say, as good of a gr- as great of a win this is for App State, it's equally as bad of a loss for Auburn. Yep. Uh, they 
Very much so. Like, if you just look at the stats of this game, they probably, you know, if you play this game, I mean, this is why you do a single game, but if this is the NBA and you play seven times, Auburn's probably beating us. And if you just look at what the Mountaineers did, it's clear on the offensive end they dared Auburn to shoot threes, and they did not shoot it well. They were three for 27 as a team. Uh, it's like, I believe it's 11% from the three point line, and that was headlined by. That freshman point guard we were talking about, Aiden Halloway. And it's interesting, he was 0 for 6 from behind the arc. Uh, he had a terrible game. And it's kind of interesting with Jordan Marsh also being a guard from that Charlotte area. I'm sure you saw them. Um, have you seen them play before against each other? Or I'm it... trying to remember if I've seen him play before. I'm if sh- it was, it was two years ago because Aiden Holloway then transferred out to prolific prep in California for yeah. his final year of high school, and then Jordan Marsh was at Moravian Prep. There's a chance they could have played, but I don't think I've, I don't think I saw him face off against yeah. each other. Well, I'm sure they're familiar with each other. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And I, I just thought they were. You could tell, like with Marsh, he plays with an edge, but I feel like that probably was a little extra motivation, kind of showing off, showing out the higher recruit, but in your area, so you probably always were looking at least equally to that guy as Holloway, uh, both of them coming up from the Charlotte area, being point guards now, being at the college level. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at Janai Broom for Auburn, he was 10 for 16 from the field, 21 points, 13 rebounds. And there was a point, I think it was the four-minute, three-minute mark, uh, me and Cody were watching the game, and uh, Auburn cut it to three. It was 3.15 left in the game, three-point game, two straight possessions, back-to-back. Broom had gotten good possession down low and scored without any resistance. It was Trayvon Spiller guarding him at that point, and Trayvon has done great this year for us. Doesn't stand a chance against a guy like Janai Broom, and I said it to Cody during the break. Like, I'm a little nervous because right now, that offense is guaranteed. If they can get Broom with good positioning down low, that's an automatic bucket, and the Tigers just did not do that, and you can't... you got to look at those guards. Those guards did not make good decisions a lot of the time. Bad shot selection, not getting the ball down low into your center who's having a great game was scoring at will so just bad decision making down the stretch I feel like really cost the Auburn Tigers that game you talk about their poor three-point shooting and I think a lot of that goes into bad shot selection because there were so many three points in this game I can name three of them from Aiden Holloway where feet weren't set he was moving flaring the legs trying to find any way just to get a shot to fall and to go up and as much as yes Auburn that is kind of a statistical anomaly for a team like this to shoot 11% from beyond the three-point line. We wanted them to, though. But, but App State was forcing them to make those decisions. It wasn't just that they had all those looks wide open. A lot of those were contested, and a lot of them were tough shots. It was It's discipline from the Auburn Tigers. Like, so if you look at what App State was doing, they were allowing, like, they were helping off shooters to contain the paint. And if you're Auburn... You have to keep working the ball down low. It doesn't matter because you, you know where your advantage is. Every time Broom got positioning down low, App State was panicking defensively. But when you give up those threes, and even Broom was uh, guilty of it, he took three threes in that game. App State, it's like when Giannis shoots a three. It's like, go ahead. I will let you shoot that thing wide open with not a single person within 12, 20 feet of you. Because anytime you're shooting that, it's a win because we don't want you getting a look down low. Even if you miss or make it, we have a lot less chance of stopping that bucket than a three. And if you're Auburn, you had to under like I'm sure Bruce Pearl must have been telling them that because by the point of the third or in the second half where there's three minutes left and you're still losing, you have to understand it doesn't matter 
like how you're going to win the game. Obviously, you want to shoot well from three, but you need to win the game at a point. You need to get good shots, and they weren't doing that. And, yeah, you have to give credit to the App State defense, but, yeah, it's it's a mix. Or it's like App State forced them to do that. If Auburn was disciplined, got better shots, maybe they do uh, win this game, but they were not disciplined, and the App State defense was able to force them into those bad shots. Yeah, when you're shooting 11% from the three-point line, 27 of your 66 field goal attempts shouldn't be from the three-point line. And like you guys said, like it was App State trying to force them to do that because they knew that they would get eaten up down low. Especially when Justin Apson went out, it looked pretty grim down low, but they did force Auburn to shoot those. And as Lucas said, like you got to go inside anyways. But a lot of these guys were thinking, you know, I usually make this shot. I'm not making it today, but I usually do, so I'm still going to put it up. That's the other slightly bizarre thing. Like, Janai Broom did a great job every time Justin Abson came in. He attacked him. Yeah. Like, he went into the body of Abson. There was one, Abson checked in with three fouls, he immediately had to check back out because yeah. <laughs> Broom went into his chest and drew a fourth foul. But it felt like the Tigers when, like, it's weird. It's like when Abson came in, they knew, okay, let's attack this guy mm-hmm. and get him into foul trouble. But then when they took him off the court, that's when it felt like that the offense kind of faltered a little bit, kind of moved towards more perimeter. And we talked about, like, Tigers were making some tough shots and getting offensive rebounds, getting second chance, but every shot was a contested shot. It was nothing easy for the Tigers. So, yeah, just great defense overall from the Mountaineers. But, yeah, not a great game for the Tigers offensively. Yeah, yeah I, I really don't have much else to add except we just we outplayed them, really, truly. We outplayed them, and I guess you could say we had a lot better perimeter defense because shooting 11% from three. I don't really have much much to add except we, we won. Yeah, we shot really well. Yeah, and three, we shot very well. And that's what David said. The shot selection, our shot selection was very good. All our threes came off driving kicks, forty-seven catch and shoot, forty-seven. Like, those are, like look just a great player to look at for something like this. Like why shot selection matters. Just look at Christopher Mantis. He took. I think he was one for four that day, or it was either one for four or one for three. If you watch the highlights or his tape of that game. All the misses are bad threes. His feet aren't set. He's curling. He's fading. He's just throwing up a shot. The one he makes, his feet are set. It's a catch-and-shoot three, and he was able to square up and shoot the sh- like shoot at the rim. And App State, when they got good, like even that late three from Terrence Harcum, it was contested, but he was able to set his feet, square up, and take a catch-and-shoot three. And uh, sometimes good players make tough shots, but when you can set your feet and really like when you're getting catch and shoot threes compared to the threes off the dribble curling off a screen which is what Aiden Holloway was getting it's just a totally different shot yeah i mean it it completely is and app state was more successful from beyond the three point line than they were inside they shot 43 yeah. well i guess maybe not technically but 43% from the field 47% from beyond three i mean that's that's a jagger that's a that's a eye popping number when you go down and look at it, we had less turnovers than Auburn. We had seven compared to their ten, but they out-rebounded us like crazy, 48-32. to 32. Yeah, the rebounding, I, I will give the Mountaineers a lot of credit for that because that's kind of what you have to do in this situation. The Mountaineers accepted the rebounding. Like Cody said it a lot, but they did a great job of not allowing the offensive rebounds to turn into easy buckets. Like When they would get those rebounds, they didn't panic. They'd immediately set their defense back up and play good defense for another 14 seconds. And they, there was multiple possessions where... Auburn got multiple chances, but Mountaineers just played multiple possessions of good defense. Yeah, a lot of resilience on there, play-by-play and throughout the whole game. Because there were some Auburn runs, but this team does a very good job of just locking back in. And I want to talk about the team as a whole for a second, looking away. We can still talk about the Auburn game, but just so far this season, 
What kind of feels different about this Mountaineer team than that of Mountaineer teams in years past? There, there's something different about this team. I think a lot of it's kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier with just how much depth there is on this team because you do have your guys in the starting lineup, but when you're coming out with Miles Tate and Jordan Marsh that are coming in and just playing so, so well off the bench, which, you know, like you can switch a guy like Miles Tate and then you're still going to have Jordan Marsh and C.J. Huntley coming off the bench. Either way, the rotation, once it's finally in stone, it's still going to be a very, very good one that is deep. And it's just like a lot of these new guys. I do think Trayvon Spillers, Miles State, and Jordan Marsh are going to continue to be three of the best players on offense on this team. So it's bringing in a lot of those new guys who are cold-blooded. Yeah, and Cody, to bounce off of you, this is just a more complete team. I said it last year, like our only... And this is this was like part casual, part me being like, okay... Um, Layman's terms, I was basically like, man, the only guys we had last year is like, okay, Donovan Gregory, and then some people were trying to hype up Chris Mantis. I know that's not true, looking back on it now, but this is a more complete team this year. We have more options. We have a lot more depth. It felt like, it felt like we weren't just throwing a bunch of players together and saying, okay, let's go out and do it. We recruited better over this offseason, and we have a lot of players who can play roles better. This, is a, this looks like a team where players know their role rather than just we got to score any way we have to. Donovan Gregory, Chris Mantis, go out there and play ball. If you want, yeah. If you look at the Mountaineers two years ago when they had that three guard team, it was Adrian Delph, Justin Forrest, Michael Almonese. What a team! Uh, the problem wasn't isolation scoring or being able to hit shots. The problem was shot selection. All those guards were. Just ISO guards. They like taking tough shots, and they made them make them sometimes. But a guy like Justin Forrest, it hurt me because he was an incredibly talented player who would just take terrible shots night after night and mm-hmm. finish games with terrible shooting splits because he just wouldn't take good shots. You look at the team last year. I felt like we took a lot better shots for the most part, at least during uh, the course of the game. But when things got tight, I didn't trust the team because I felt like Donovan Gregory was the only player who could confidently break. The break defenses down off the dribble in isolation, get good shots by himself, even against a set defense. We had guys like uh, Tyree Boykin or uh, Tamel Pearson who, when set up, could hit shots. Tamel Pearson was good down low. Tyree Boykin, good three-point shooter, but not really creators. This year, I feel like we have a good mix right now, at least, where Miles Tate, Jordan Marsh, uh, Terrence Harkham been, hasn't been super efficient. We had a good game against Auburn. Guys who are you know, taking what the defense is giving them, being able to score in isolation, but also creating for others. And then the other thing, you didn't see it in this game a lot, but I do feel like for a group of five team, for a Sunbelt team, they're, I guess group of five isn't for basketball, but that's how I always refer to it. But uh, we have a lot of size, I feel like, for a team at this level. Uh, you have Justin Abson, who is one of the best defensive bigs in the Sunbelt, probably in uh, all of mid-major, because, I mean, almost three blocks a game right now. I mean, that guy's ridiculous. He had He's two, really good. over two blocks a game last year, so two seasons of doing this. This is not a like small sample size type thing. It's proven. And you have a guy like C.J. Huntley coming off the bench. Trayvon Spiller, I think, like Cody said, uh, in conference play, he'll be able to make a huge bigger impact because he's the type of guy that kind of got drowned out in, by the athleticism in this game. But against some belt opponents, I could see him being more impactful. But I really do feel like defense is where this team kind of uh, is like the calling For card sure. of this team. Mm-hmm. And you talk about creators. There's two names I look at last year, and that's Debaji Walker and Tyree Boykin, both guys who were our highest recruited transfers, or I don't want to, not highest recruited, just highly anticipated, highly touted transfers that 
came in and I think what Trayvon Spellers and Miles Tate do so well, not only do they fill the shoes of what Debaji and Tyree left, but they're creators. They're able to be that spark. It doesn't always have to rely on Donovan Gregory. We're seeing Jordan Marsh, who a freshman recruited guy, take the ball down the court for half the game right now because of how successful he's been, how shifty he's been. Miles Tate can make a basketball disappear with his handling when he's trying to carve up through the paint. I mean, these guys are creators. They are able to set up plays. They're able to produce in the paint. They're able to do anything that they really want to do with the basketball. And that's been the difference. It's felt like in years past, we have to set up around the arc and we have to try and run some kind of play to wait till the shot clock gets to five seconds, take a shot and hope they're open or drive to the basket, push your way through, take five seconds off the shot clock. It just feels like there's just more balance now. This team feels more well-rounded and it really goes back to the three players we've been touching on. Yeah. The one thing I will say, because if you look at the start of this game, App State came out slow in this game. They, I think, trailed 9 or 7 at one point early in the game. I do think the starting lineup has to change. I don't think Xavion Brown should I don't think be so. in. I think he's fine in, like, a spot role. Like, I liked him coming in for, like, I uh, Kearns was playing defense-offense rotations down the stretch, putting Xavion Brown in and then taking him out when they were needed to shoot free throws. I like that. I think he's a good defender. I think he's athletic. The guy can't space the floor, and we don't have enough shooting in that starting lineup. And I'd like there's just if you have those two guards coming off the bench, there's a limit to how much they can play. So I just would like Jordan Marsh only played 16 minutes. I think Jordan Marsh. I know he's a freshman. He's at least proven to me through these first seven, eight games. He should be playing 20 minutes a night. I agree. And. Tonight, starting lineup hasn't been announced. Bryant Green will be in the starting lineup. I saw that. As yeah. that was posted, fifth year, senior. That's just like a the thing, right? Like yeah, that's, like, it's yeah. just a, you know. Well, why now? He's kind of earned it type of thing. I'm not sure. Like it's not graduate. senior night. Yeah. He might, oh, he might graduate uh, in December. Oh. There's a good chance for that. <laughs> so then, funny. you know, that would make sense why he didn't play on senior night last year. That would make yeah. a lot of sense because we because yeah. I remember that was a discussion that I don't know if it was here or I had with somebody basically talking about <laughs> how he just didn't play or during senior night and yeah. he was a senior. But if yeah, if this is to be his last game here at Holmes, great to see him get the starting starting nod. Yeah. Curious to see how he'll do out yeah. there on the floor for however long Dustin Kearns lets him out there. But that game We'll be tipping off in just over an hour and 20 minutes. You can listen to it right here on 90.5 WASU. Nick Goodman and Ryan Hendricks bringing you all of that coverage. Hunter Boston. Oh, Hunter Boston now. Yeah. Ryan not feeling Ryan well? Ryan is not doing good. Darn. Oh, falling no. apart over here in the sports department. <laughs> yeah. Hope you feel better, Ryan. Ryan. Oh, man. So check that. Nick Goodman and Hunter Boston. Andrew Travers will be here in the studio, and Bobby Phillips will be on the sideline. Make sure to catch that at 8 p.m. And when we come back, we're going we're gonna to touch on some college football first about app and then the grand scheme of things with the college football playoffs. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Trap right here on 90.5 WASU. Want to join the WASU team? Get your business the recognition you deserve with underwriting at 90.5 WASU-FM. We play business as spots during our shows, music, and sports games as you cheer on your Mountaineers. Being the official campus radio station, we reach the App State student body like nobody else. If you're interested in getting your business out to WASU listeners, just contact us at sales.wasu at gmail.com. Support for WASU programming is provided by the Eggers Law Firm on West King Street. 
The Eggers Law Firm provides legal services to those in need of assistance in northwestern North Carolina. Thank you for listening to your MTV College Radio Station of the Year, 90.5 WASU and WASURadio.com. Want to start your morning with laughs, games, news and boon, and pop culture? Tune in to the award-winning The Morning App with Cody Bear, Katie Every, Emma Roll, and Lucas Warren every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 7 a.m. right here on 90.5 WASU-FM. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. And you're listening to 90.5 WASU-FN. Apparently he told him to get Halliburton. Welcome back. Right here on Sports Wrap. As the discussion from off-break. <laughs> Good thing you hit us with a welcome back. It's <laughs> <laughs> curious, uh, curious if you guys would notice. I was kind of debating. Just we sure le- didn't. It's kind of debating leaving your hot mic to, uh, to see what we could do. But right, that could have gone As around. we welcome you back, Joey Aguilar welcomes you back. And we welcome Joey Aguilar back. As he officially announced he will be returning for the 2024 App State football season. So we will keep one of the leaders in the locker rooms. The transfer portal so far has been... Ridiculous. I'm just thinking that was kind of hard because I was like, what did I say? I was like, I'm about to pull up and then hard in the paint was in the background. I yeah, go hard. It's kind of hard. We got to go clip that. In the, in the, in the paint. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Joey, back. Yeah, Ooh, glad good. to, uh, glad to see that. There's been uh, yesterday alone. Sean Davis gone. Sean Davis gone. Yesterday alone, there were uh, over 600 players that entered the portal so far since it's open. <laughs> wow. There are over 1,400. FBS athletes in the transfer portal free right agency. now for college football. It's free yes. agency time. Teams have scouts now that are their only job is the portal. As Matt, Matt Rule said, it'll cost you about 1.5 to $2 million for, a, for a good quarterback. I don't want to call him out, but I am going to call him out. Riley showed me that video last week, and he was like, look how dumb this guy is, like laughing. And I didn't want to, like, you know, because I know how Panthers fans are with Matt Rule. It's like, a, it's like when you have a... I don't know, like a bad memory with like an old uncle or something, and it's just like you don't want to bring it back up, like bad memories. So it's like I didn't want to say it, but I just let him like I laughed it off. But Matt Rule was right; <laughs> he's not that it wasn't a bad. Like he's it does cost two million dollars for a good quarterback. It does. It really does. And Matt Rule's turning around Nebraska right now too. Yeah. And so far, App State has, as of right now that I know of, lost four players to the transfer portal. With the most recent being. Outside linebacker Donovan Spellman yesterday, Deshaun Davis announced that he would enter the portal, as well as wide receiver Cohen Sutton and James Edwards. Those are the four names so, so no far. No Nate Johnson yet. No Nate Johnson that I know of. Could be, That's but no Nate, no Nate Johnson that I know of. As of it, uh, it well, looks Spellman like, transferring is actually a good sign when you think of it, because yeah. that's his position. Yeah, that's, he's transferring because Nate Johnson. So Spellman, Spellman, so far, I'm just uh, I'm just seeing Twitter updates here. He's got an offer from Charlotte and Jackson State. 
Ooh. But yes, yeah, so, but he plays portal. outside linebacker. Yes. So that's the same role. So maybe yeah. Nate will stick around. We're really, I'm really I hoping pray. he will. I really hope he will. He's first team All American. Can finish with 17 <laughs> like, and a half. Freshman All American. Freshman All American. Sorry, excuse me. But even still, that yeah. is a a high regard for Nate Johnson. I think there were only three Group of Five teams or three Group of Five players out of. The entire offense and defense, maybe it was two or three. I know Arkansas State had their quarterback on there. But let's go ahead. Let's look at this App State football team. Let's talk about them one last time before it's bowl season. After a roller coaster ride of a season, Mountaineers took a trip down to Troy, Alabama to compete in the Sun Belt Championship this past Saturday. The matchup surrounded by excitement and hope. App State, App State gave up 49 points and 463 total yards in a 26-point loss to the Troy Trojans. It was a warm, wet one. In Troy, Alabama, and the Mountaineers did not show up to play. So let's get to the point. What went wrong for the Mountaineers? Um, you didn't like warm weather. Yeah, ones? I don't know if I like that description. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, the main reason is the running game. Uh, the Troy ran all over us. Kamani Vidal, 26 carries, 233 yards. Best game of his career. We all know, we all know. But yeah, Troy averaged 7.7 yards per carry. I mean, that was the crux of this game. We couldn't really stop the run at any point. Uh, And it was a lot of stuff we saw early in the season. Missed tackles at the point of attack. Uh, We just, you know, when you miss those tackles, that creates space for that running back. And you can get yards after contact. So it was just a lot of that. Like, we were in good positions to make the tackles. Just weren't able to actually make the tackles. Uh, but the other thing is, Troy did a good job against our explosive offense. We were one of the top offenses coming into that game. They limited us a lot. We only had three passing plays of more than 20 yards. That's been a huge part of this offense, explosive passing plays. We couldn't get as many as we had liked. And there's no passing touchdowns. Aguilar has been on fire, 33 passing touchdowns on the season, none in that game. They did a good job really limiting what we could do offensively. And a big part of it was the sacks. Uh, coming into the game, App State had allowed the least amount of sacks in the Sun Belt, only 15. But in that game, Troy got to Joey Aguilar five times, and he was clearly uncomfortable. There's a few times he tried to extend plays, got chased down. One of them was by Javon Sullivan, one of the best pass rushers in the nation. But, yeah, it, it was a, both sides of the ball. Uh, Troy dominated in some aspects. I do think there's ways App State could have won this game. I look at that uh, fump, that muff punt. If we get a touchdown there, I do think it's a slightly different game. Uh, App State settled for three, and then they were never able to get a stop defensively. Uh, but if we tie the game at 21 there, I just think the momentum changes a bit. But, yeah, not App State isn't too far away from being able to beat a team like Troy, but they definitely got outplayed in this game. Yeah, like that run game. I don't know. I don't know why people are thinking that our run defense was magically fixed because we were able to stop the run of the three worst rushing teams in the Sun Belt. But yeah, you know, you're playing against the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year by Dal, who ran all over them. And then Troy just doesn't really have a weak spot on defense. They're a top three team in the Sun Belt in rush defense and pass defense. So it's really, really tough to score on them. They became known for forcing a lot of fumbles. I think they have seven guys who have a forced fumble on the season, and they got to Joey Aguilar. He fumbled it twice. So it was a lot of when you're going into it. If you're saying App's going to lose this game, this is going to be why. And a lot of those things did happen. Yeah. Um, it's okay to say that maybe Troy was just more lethal than we were expecting. Because going into this game, like, oh, it's Troy. It's just Troy. Um, kind of like what you said, Cody. I was all in on Troy personally. The, oh, really? Oh, Bear yeah. down bets. Bear down bets. You were like yeah. Troy's going to win. 
Uh, yeah, God, this come is, on. I mean, Troy, this, is, this yeah. is a really good Troy team. Troy on the pregame. Yeah. Yeah. This is this yeah. is a really good Troy team. I mean, this is this is a team that has been received has gotten receiving votes from the AP yeah. poll the last two weeks. And if you really want to nitpick it, they're the thirty first team in the nation. Right, and and, and that's what I was saying. I was like, guys, maybe Troy is just a better team because in the um, Appalachian Weekly News group chat, we had App State fans like, man, this is terrible. This team sucks. Casuals. I'm like. I'm like Guys, maybe Troy is just better all around Sorry, than we are. Sorry, you got some casuals on AW. Yeah, because it was, I was like, guys, our defense has been crap. Well, mm-hmm, let me not say that. But, like, our defense has, has <laughs> been very lackluster this entire year, especially defending against the run. And um, Troy's running back was voted, what, best offensive player in the Sun, sun Belt? Was offensive that? player of the year in the Sun offensive Belt. Offensive player Dow. of the year. Yeah. How are you supposed to defend that? When we couldn't even defend Frank Gore Jr., like I, I, I watching this game going to the draft. Oh yeah, right. Watching this game, I was like, "Come on, App, let's pull this out." But I began to realize, I'm like, you know, this Troy team. I think they need their respect. Like this isn't the Troy team that we beat last year. Barely. This is a completely different team. This was a game that was completely in our grasps until the scoop and score. Firmly believe that. The way this offense looked in the second half. They had an opportunity, and when Joey lost that ball on the 15, and it was an easy touchdown for Troy, it took the wind out of the stadium for every single App State fan there. It took the wind out of this bench. That was reality. That was reality when it hit, because they really did. They had a chance, and you saw their next offensive possession. Went down the field, got a gritty touchdown. Joey fumbled, and it was recovered in the end zone. It was just ball security. This is what it really felt like at the end of the day. There's been a lot of times this year that we've gone back and we've looked at fumbles, especially from Joey Aguilar, and it's not to completely discredit him whatsoever because his ability to make plays with his feet, with his arm, are second to none that we've seen out of a quarterback here at App State within the last 10 years. But his ball security, there's a lot to be desired from. I guarantee you that's going to be a point of emphasis this offseason for his improvement. And that coupled with the defense just giving up big explosive plays on the ground. That's really what it was. And it felt like going back to the Southern Miss game where we just could not stop the run no matter what they did. They could, they could run a draw play. It could be to the A-gap. It could be an outside pitch. It does not matter what they were going to do. They were going to find a way to successfully run on the ground. And then when they did decide to throw the ball, Gunnar Watson didn't have to do much because his receivers were pretty much open with how soft the App State secondary was playing because of how much they were running the ball. Just felt like we weren't as quick. We weren't as quick off the edges. Something just felt off on defense that entire game, and it trickled over to the offense. The rain in the beginning, I will say, most definitely played a factor. It was coming down pretty heavy. And that's you saw punt, 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 punt. Yeah, I was coming down. Finally, points were able to get up on the board. Yeah. And then the second half, it didn't really get above a light sprinkle. So the playbook was pretty much open for everybody everywhere else. And once once you're that 10-minute mark, that fumble goes down. Troy recovers for a touchdown. That, that really kind of sealed the game, nail in the coffin. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is upsetting because what I said on the pregame show, I feel like did kind of transpire. Right? I thought this team had a chance if you could make – that offense have to lean on Gunnar Watson anyway, and you could see that Troy doesn't want to do that. Like in that game, you said it. Gunnar Watson statistically was fine. He was under 200 yards. I, he might have had a passing touchdown. I don't think he did, but no turnovers. And that's what they want Gunnar Watson to do. Like ideally, they wouldn't give him the ball. And why would you uh, when Kamani Vidal is doing what he's doing? But that, that's where if we do get this rematch next year, that's I don't know if Vidal will be there, but that's the next step. And I don't think Gunnar Watson will be there actually as well. So it's probably a very different Troy team next year. You think Summerall's um, there? 
Uh, probably not. Uh, he's definitely he's gone. taking calls. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, yeah, this that's what's funny with like the the Sun Belt. It's like sure you might like all these teams pop up and they'll like their peaks might be better than us, but like abstaining going nowhere. Like in the long run, <laughs> like look at Louisiana a couple years ago. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to know really what's going to happen with JMU. I'm very curious to see what they're going to look like. Yeah, they're year. not going to look the same. Trash. And the first year they can actually win stuff. Whoop de doo. <laughs> yeah, they'll go. Seven and five. <laughs> They'll miss a bowl next year. When they <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to see. And it was, it was just kind of a tough one because I felt like we all, we all felt so good about this team, especially after Georgia Southern. You know, it's one more week, one more game, and they just, just weren't able to get it done. But it was a very, very impressive road to get there. I said it yeah. on the pregame show when I was calling in. When we were sitting three and four, we had a 1.2% chance – to make the sun or to win the Sun Belt, and it was a four or five percent chance to make the Sun Belt championship. We did that. Yeah. I mean, that is a very impressive feat in and of itself. It's a very impressive five game stretch, just showing the the real potential of this team. What this team can do, what it looks like when this offensive line looks good and Joey Aguilar has time in the pocket when he's able to make these good strikes. What it looks like when it's a healthy Nate Noel and this running back room is healthy. What it looks like. When this defense is coming up with great plays and being able to do really anything that they want to, imposing their will onto an offense, it was a great stretch. And it really restored a lot of my faith in what this program is doing. Because when we were sitting at three and four, it was really, really easy to point fingers and to say, you know, give the boot to give the boot to everybody. Sean Clark, Frank Ponce, everybody out. But I wonder who's saying that. <laughs> but now, my confidence is reinstilled. I don't know the fate of of coaching. I think it's still a coin toss right now. What? We'll, we'll, I I don't I don't know. I don't know. If, what do you mean it's a coin? There is a zero percent. You think Sean Clark's going to get fired? I don't know. Zero percent. I don't. I don't know happens. Sean Clark. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see coaching changes. I don't want to see coaching change. I don't. They're not going to. I don't think we'll change see the coordinator unless so. it's like someone getting a promotion or something. I just, yeah. There's no way. I think Sean Clark um, has extended his stay here. I mean, based on and I'm just fine with that. I'm fine with that too. I mean, like. The way his family was react uh, reacted after the win against James Madison University, like they were crying because they, I bet you they really thought that he was on the hot seat and gone. If they lost to JMU, like they'd probably have to move and find a new place. Like if that's saying that Sean Clark could probably have to find a new job. So they were crying tears of joy after they beat JMU. So it, from taking the game and business aspect away from me. It's kind of nice that Sean Clark and his family that have given their all to this community can at least stay for one more year. And he won't be moving on to yeah, another school. He won't be going to Indiana. Yeah, no. Nope. But I've I, I like and I like the way that I like the way that this team responded, the way this team rebounded, yeah. and I'm excited to see him play in a bowl game against Miami of Ohio, a good Miami of Ohio team, mm-hmm. which takes us into our second and final thing. Regarding App State football, despite the loss in the Sun Belt Championship game, the Mountaineers can end this season on a high note in their bowl game, facing off against Miami of Ohio, the Avocados from Mexico, Cure Bowl on December 16th in Orlando, Florida. I want to just know what your expectations are for this game. Let's get a quick prediction on how we think it's going to go down. Cody, I'll start with you. Yeah, so Miami of Ohio has been really, really good in the MAC. 
actually a grizzly bear. They are very good against the spread. Uh, their starting quarterback, Brett Gabbert, got hurt in October. Since then, it's been Avion Smith, who's been okay. He hasn't been stellar by any means. They've really relied on their rush attack, which makes this game very interesting because they're going to come, come out trying to beat us on the ground. But their rush attack hasn't been as good as many of the teams that we've seen in the Sun Belt. Their rush attack isn't as good as a team like Troy, obviously. I think App State stacks up decently well against them. Uh, Mac Champ, but I think App State's going to win this one. Brett Gabbert, brother of Blaine Gabbert. I, I just heard Ooh, the name. And I wow. Think, yeah, up. How about that? He is. Um, yeah, I think we win this game. I just, I just look at uh, the Mac this year. I mean, it's pretty normal for the Mac. They kind of... Uh, it's a very hectic conference, but the talent level I don't feel like, especially offensively, is on par with the Sun Belt. Defensively, they're good, uh, but I don't think they've seen an, as much speed as we have. Uh, a lot of these MAC games are low scoring, defensive focus. They just aren't really as explosive. A lot of these Sun Belt offenses, so I, I really do like our chance against Miami. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like our chances against Miami. I know that they were eleven. I know that Miami went eleven and two this year, first in the MAC. But they beat a really good Toledo team to get here. Ranked like, a ranked Toledo team to get here. So we can't act like they, oh they're in the MAC. Like we, I think maybe there was a little bit of that. Oh, it's just Troy. And obviously, I'm not saying that App State didn't do their homework. But I think if you do your homework against this Miami-Ohio squad and really try to defend against the run that really isn't as good as other teams that we've played this year, I think that's our key to victory. Because we know Joey Aguilar can sling it, and we know that you know if the receivers do their job, then we'll be okay too. I always love getting to see you know these group of five, group of five games because it's – it's so easy to for us to sit and and you know we can compare the SEC to the ACC, the Big Ten to the Big Twelve, the Pac twelve to anybody. Like it's easy to sit here and compare Power Fives and you know say all right, well this is where I can rank them. And then you go down to Group of Five and you're, you you could give a ranking, but you're not that confident. That's what bowl season's so fun in my opinion is that we're getting to see MAC champions in Miami of Ohio take on. An App State team who won the East, technically, I guess you could say, finished second in the Sun Belt, runners-up in the championship, and, you know, very, very, two very good teams from their respective conferences getting to face off. You know, put that head-to-head. Who's better? Is it the MAC or the Sun Belt? And that's why I was really hoping we'd play Toledo if Toledo won that game, because or just play Toledo in general, because that's a really good football team. Toledo was one Hail Mary that went against them away from being undefeated heading into the MAC championship. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was excited about. I wanted to play a really good competitive team. It would have been cool to play a Power 5 team, a big-time school, whatever, but I think this is a cooler outcome, and I'm really excited to see what Miami of Ohio brings to the table. We're going to be playing at the Bounce House. That's at UCF. Uh, it's an electric environment. Hopefully, App State travels well, and hopefully it's not just like a 15 20% capacity, even though kind of feel like that's mm-hmm. that might be what it is. Yeah, we're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. Going Boys to Disney. trip to Disney World. Maybe Miami of Ohio will visit the real Miami while in Florida. Oh. Maybe so. They did that earlier this year, and uh, we uh, we learned who the real Miami was. But um, but yeah, so I think I think we Cody, you touched on it very well. They have a good run attack, but not anything to the level I think we've seen in the Sun Belt. I wouldn't be surprised if they still, with the way we played defense against Troy at least. They're watching tape. They better be running. Yeah, no kidding. I wouldn't be surprised if they're still able to rip off 100-plus pushing towards that 150 number. But I think I think App State still has a really good chance here. We're running out of time, so I want to jump straight into 
the college football playoff. As I know, at least Lucas here has has a lot of uh, a lot of heated takes on this. I do as well. I don't know about Cody or Noah, but I'm excited to hear everybody's opinions on this because there were eight teams holding potential to make the playoffs heading into last weekend. And the committee ruffled some feathers with their final rankings. The Big Ten champion Michigan Wolverines, they sit at number one. The undefeated Pac-12 champions in Washington sit at the number two seed. One loss Big 12 champions Texas sit at the three seed. And one loss SEC champions Alabama sit at the four seed. Notably, this left out undefeated ACC champions Florida State and one loss Georgia who had a perfect regular season and was ranked number one for almost all of the year, except for two weeks that Ohio State occupied that spot. Overall, how are we feeling about the committee's decision here? Was it, was it a right idea to leave out Florida State? And Noah, honestly, I want to start with you. I want to get your opinions on this, because I'm, I'm really curious what everybody thinks. No. Wait, sorry. Sorry. Say the, What was the question you said one more time? Cause I, I was, Just I, how do we feel about the committee's decision? And okay, I yeah, mean, yeah. moreover, was it right to leave out undefeated Florida State because of the inj- injury to Jordan Travis? <sighs> no, and here's why. I, I think Florida State still should have been in it, regardless of how they think the game would have went. Because, I get it, you don't want another TCU versus Georgia, but still you're underestimating a very good Florida, Florida State program. They went 13-0 on the year. They won their they won their championship. I think that they should have at least gotten their roses and gotten into it because they they did the job. They did what they needed to do to get there, and they earned it. Alabama beat Georgia one time this year, and they said, let's put Alabama in. What? Georgia was the best team the entire year, and they lose one game, and not only does Georgia not get into it, but they picked Alabama, the team that beat them. I'm fine with Michigan and Washington. Because the entire year they've been great to watch. The Michigan storyline with the Harbaugh, it's like, okay, well, you know, you put them into that's another added media influence to it. And then when there's Washington and Michael Penix, and it's like, okay, yes, they, they, they deserve the, the room too. But then there's Texas, and Texas has also been solid. But then it's like, Alabama, let's put Alabama in. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I get it. Alabama hasn't been awful this year. They really haven't. They were outside the top 10 for the first time since, what, like 2010, 2011 or whatever. But they shouldn't be in it. I think, if anything, Georgia should be in over them just because of how good of a, of a season they've had. And yeah, but why are we talking about this? It should have been Florida State anyway. But, but if the committee is valuing head-to-head wins, then you have to go back and you have to look. Alabama beat Georgia, and Texas beat, Alab- or Texas beat Alabama. So if Texas, Texas has to go in, Yes, and then if, yeah, if yeah. you if you are valuing head to head, you have got to put Texas in there. Yes. if you're going to put Alabama in there, that's exactly what they had to do. All of a sudden, then you have two undefeated teams. You have a Big Ten champion and a Big Twelve champion, and you can't leave. Or, or excuse me, you have a Big Ten champion and a Pac-12 champion who are undefeated, who have healthy quarterbacks. So, if you're going to put Texas in because that head to head over Alabama, then you can't put Georgia in over Alabama if you're valuing that head to head. It doesn't matter. Georgia went undefeated. Yeah, no, Alabama deserves to be in over Georgia. Absolutely. It, okay. So when we're really talking about it, that four and five spot, Alabama and Florida State, is Alabama the better team? Absolutely. Ask Michigan when they're watching Alabama get chosen as the fourth team instead of Florida State. That Does awesome. Alabama deserve to be in over Florida State? Absolutely not. 
And that's because you've set the precedent that resume matters. Last year, we knew Alabama had a better team than TCU. But you put in TCU because the resume matters. Bama had two losses. In 2021, you put in Cincinnati over Notre Dame and Ohio State. And a lot of people would most likely say that Notre Dame and Ohio State were the better team, but the Bearcats didn't have a loss for the second straight season. In those situations, there were better teams that didn't get in, even though we knew they were the better team, but that's because you set that precedent that resume matters. This time, yes, we all know that Alabama's the better team, but Florida State did everything right. What else can you ask them to do? They went undefeated in a Power 5 conference. They won the conference championship. It's clear that there's a bias towards the SEC, and it's kind of an embarrassing showing that you're turning the P5 into a P2, P3. Texas only got in because they beat Alabama, so there's no way you could leave Texas out in that situation. So I think it's, I think it's very interesting because of that head-to-head that they value. That's the reason they had Texas in. But overall, there's no reason that Alabama should have been over Florida State. No. If you're saying we need to put in the four best teams, however you get there, that's fine, but that's not the precedent that you've been setting not what they've done. ever Uh-oh. since the college football playoff committee has started this. So it makes no sense. That, well, it makes sense because you're, you're hitting on a certain bias towards the SEC, and you had to have an SEC school in there, but it wasn't the right decision. That being said, Alabama plus 210 to, hit the, to win the national championship. Taking it all the way. Hit. But that being said, like, they, they do not deserve. If you're talking about did they make the right decision, no, they did not. Yeah, I just I find this to be a disgusting day for college football. I think overall college football is moving towards a terrible direction. I love college football, but um, it's just not becoming about what this sport is great about. Like, what I love about this sport is that you can go to these different conferences, see different styles of play, and imagine what it's like against each other. Like, you watch a Florida State, and then you watch a Washington, and then you watch a Michigan, and the style of play style of play is different in each of those places, and you can just imagine like. Oh, what's it going to look like with Penix trying to throw against a Big Ten secondary? Just that's what's make this game great. And when you do stuff like like, what's the point of playing the games? Well, if you prefer, it's obvious that they prefer the SEC, and they think the SEC is by large the best conference and deserves a spot. They just can't imagine the playoffs without an SEC in it. And I understand that. If you look at the precedent, yes, the SEC has been the best conference in college football. But look at the actual football games, which is what this should be judged by. This season, the SEC in out-of-conference games is 7-9. and nine. ACC is 9-7. and seven. That Florida State team beat two SEC teams on their out-of-conference schedule. The best out-of-conference win for the entire SEC conference is probably Kansas State. It was, I think it was Missouri beating Kansas State. Either that or it's Ole Miss beating Tulane without Michael Pratt. It's a joke. And I, the, the biggest thing I look at is if your argument is put the best teams in, then why are we even pretending? Because some teams get the record. It's like a Washington gets the added benefit of, oh, like they deserve it. They did their work to deserve to get in. We all know. If Washington and Georgia played right now, Georgia would be favored. So why not put Georgia in if that's the logic? If because Florida State would be a underdog against Alabama, then why not put Georgia in over uh, Washington? And I understand the head-to-head stuff and all that, but I'm just saying if the committee's going to go with that route, then just drop the facade and put in the teams you want. Because this is a dumb thing that we sit here and we pretend that if it, it, it's just – you can't tell these kids at Florida State at the beginning of the year, hey, if you do this, this, and this, you will make the college football playoffs. And they did this, this, and this, and then they didn't have an opportunity to play in that game. And I, I just think that's ridiculous. And I just think when you were making the decision as a committee, you have to look at who can you at least 
Because no team was going to be happy. There was going to be a team left upset. But what fan base, what team could you look in the face and legitimately give them reasons why you left them out? And Alabama, even though they're a great team, and I understand that that is a better matchup now, and I agree that it's a better matchup, you could at least say, I'm sorry, but early in the season, you had some major hiccups. Not even just the Texas game. You were in a game against USC, and it even went on later in the season. They had to convert a 4th and 31 to confidently beat Auburn a week ago. Like that's, It's not like this team and has Auburn been flawless. not good. It's not like this team has been flawless. And I understand they beat Georgia. Georgia wasn't flawless either. Georgia almost lost that Auburn team. Like I just think it's ridiculous that we sit here and decide what team is better based on what we think is true when on the field showed us what we should be thinking. And Florida State, I don't care if it looked ugly, they still won games without their starting quarterback. And yeah. they were looked at as a team that was carried by their starting quarterback, like carried by Jordan Travers. And they, tra- uh, Travers, Travers, I did it again. Travers. Travis. And it, I just, it makes me mad. Like, I just get upset. And it's just like, because. What's like Alabama's just always going to make like it's just not a fair playing field, especially like that's how college football feels where it's like every year it's the same team, Alabama versus a Michigan or Georgia. But it's like and that's why people don't like the sport. And the college football committee just added to that by picking Alabama in this instance. I just love they can't give us a straight answer. You ask them, oh, why'd you do this? It's it's tiptoeing around. It's it's like, well, there's this and this and okay, get to the damn point. That you just didn't want to imagine it. And the other thing that's BS, I I really do think a part of it is they're scared of a possibility. Like the last time an SEC team undefeated, or it wasn't even on, neither of the teams are defeated. But back in 2004, Auburn was undefeated, left out of the BCS National Championship game. The, uh, the, what's, I can't think of the word, but the person in charge, director of the SEC, hated that. He was the one who started the talks of a four-team college football playoffs because that Auburn team didn't make it, and that eventually happened. I think the college football playoffs was scared of another situation where a SEC team didn't make it, but I just think that's not good. I don't know. I just hate the position the sport's in right now. Yep. I hate it because we're sitting here, and the only way that I can, I can justify this in my head, that Florida State is not sitting somewhere in the top four is the fact that they were too scared about ratings and the fact that they were going to make more money putting Alabama wherever they could in the college football playoff than putting Florida State, a deserving team, a team that did not allow, a te- a team that did not allow over 30 points on defense. They held Louisville to six points, one of the best teams in the ACC, one of the best offenses in the ACC, a top 20 offense in the entirety of college football. It's not just Jordan Travis. I understand, and I get it, that that one of the best quarterbacks in college football is not playing, and it's not even the second string, it's a third string. It's a freshman who's never started a game in his life. But the offense looked okay. It didn't look great. They still scored 16 points. They put up decent numbers. I think that Florida State team could compete with Michigan. I really do. I think that Brock Glenn can go out there and go toe-to-toe with J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this is where you start. <laughs> crossing the line here. Whoa, That's right. Right. David tried to with me. Let's throw this one out. Hang on now. Hang on. No, like, I, I, hate, I hate J.J. McCarthy just for anybody out there, just to <laughs> yeah, let you know. He's a fraud that, of a quarterback. No, I mean, my big thing, too, is just the match. Like, it's not even like it's a year where Alabama went through the SEC and just it wasn't even close. And, like, like their best win was UGA, and they Won that game by three points. UGA was a fl- had they were obviously twelve and zero or 
eleven and zero, whatever they were going into that game, they were still a semi flawed team. But you just look at their second best win is LSU. Florida State beat LSU head to head. Their next best win is Mississippi State or Ole Miss. They didn't even like. I I just think that's ridiculous when you start to go down the list. It's not even like there's that big of a separation. Like I'm not even. I don't think a win against Ole Miss at home is that different than going into Death Valley and beating Clemson. I think that's pretty equally good wins for those two teams. And I just think it's it's just ridiculous that. The they just decide okay like they're this is the committee saying the ACC is the worst of the five Power Five conferences. It really is. And if you want to say that, that's fine. I don't really agree with that. I, I mean, I I think if you're gonna just go top to bottom, yeah, it probably is just the like least talented. But I still think that's just. I think when people say that, you're just ignoring so many factors. Like, yeah, there's bad teams at the bottom. They, Michigan just played Iowa in their national in their championship game. Like, there's a joke in every conference. Iowa didn't score a point. And like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I think a team like NC State is way more competitive than Iowa. Like, it's just I I just don't agree that the SEC, these other conferences are that much better. Where a one lo- a team with a loss should have gotten put in over a team that ran the tables, won their conference title, even without their quarterback. And then it's disgusting because then it, you leave. A situation where a guy like Jordan Travis has to tweet out, I wish I broke my leg sooner so that America could have seen how good this team was besides me. And it's wow. just like, that's just like it's, it's just stupid. Like It's just like, why are we out here? Like, it, it, these are college kids, and they did all this right, and you still just left them out because Alabama is Alabama. Like, it just, I, don't, I hate it. Yeah. Florida State did literally everything you can do. You win a Power Five conference championship. You finished the season against the top 15 team and you started the season against the top 15 team. You beat LSU by three touchdowns to start the season. They look dominant against LSU, your SEC team. And then it's just Alabama lost a game by double digits at two game two weeks into the season. It's just Alabama might be the best team left, but they didn't earn their way in. And you pride yourself as a committee of putting in teams that earn their way in. And, David, you mentioned it earlier. The committee is very, very pointed. They have a very pointed attack on not answering questions. Yep. It's just we look at everything. But they're not going to tell you why Florida State wasn't in because Florida State deserved to be in. It's it's ridiculous. It, but hopefully once we get the 12-team playoff, the conversation about whether the 12th or the 13th team should be in is going to be different just because – those are teams that have lost three games during the season. So you can say, hey, don't lose as many games. Like, you can't just lose three games and still have a fight to get in. But it's disappointing. It'll still be the same when we're talking about does LSU get in or Louisville get in. Louisville can have a better resume, but it won't matter. Because, I, the one thing I'll say when moving to 12-team playoffs is I want them to establish some sort of criteria so teams at least know what they have to do. Yeah. Like, you look at college— like I. If you, I don't know if you guys listen to Ryan Rosillo, but he released a podcast either yesterday or today, and he goes in depth on the history of how the championship is decided in college football. It's a joke. Like, oh, go, it, it really yeah, is. Like, teams were just claiming national titles for years. Like, Princeton has 28 because they happened to win 11 games in their conference, and there was like, like you would just. Like, bowl games would just happen, and then you'd see on their newspaper the next day who the national championship champion was, and there'd be, like, four. Like it, it would, and, like, teams are still claiming those. And you move on. Now they, had, they added the BCS, where you have this random guy who's in the Air Force who just likes college football, and he made a committee to pick the two best teams, like, just some random dude. And then they didn't like him, so they made another committee who picks this stuff. At one point, it was computer. People don't like the computer. Now it's back to people. 
Let's just establish it. If you want to say the SEC and the Big Ten are the two best conferences, fine. Give them four and have the pack, have the Big Twelve and the ACC have two. Like do that. I don't care. Just make it so it, we we at least know what teams will make it and what these teams have to do. Because if we do move to the twelve team playoff model, there's going to be a year where, like, let's say an NC State right now is there, but there's three spots and they think Ole Miss, Missouri, and just put in another Iowa even, or just yeah. some team deserves it more than them. So I, I, we just need to establish what is the I criteria agree. to get in because it's, it's becoming – it's just a mess. <laughs> I agree, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a little silly for – I don't remember if this was a member of the committee who said this or not, but this was in discussion of Florida State. Losing Jordan Travis is like losing a game. Yeah. But it's not. You didn't lose a game. You won both games without that guy. <laughs> Some like, blasphemous. No, that, I mean that, blasphemy going that is. Cr- I hate that because it's. Like, I don't think they should be able to take into account a, lo- a lost player. If anything, I think that should have given them more credit because it's just like, I how agree. are you gonna? You're literally making a decision off things that haven't happened. You're actively ignoring things that have happened on the field and making decisions based on things that haven't happened on the field. Yeah. And I just think that's crazy for a football committee. Yeah, it's super unlikely for a true freshman to go out there, beat Michigan, and get to play in the national championship. But that's why we play the game. That's why we watch the sport. It's so you can have a miracle story about a true freshman leading his team to a national championship. But now we don't get that. And in in 2014, what happened with Ohio State with a third-string quarterback? They went and won the national championship. Different circumstances. Cardell Jones? Cardell Jones. Yeah, Yeah, very different. He was in the program for a while. But it's just... But but Cody's 100% possible. Like, there's a reason, like... Okay, then why did you ever let Cincinnati in the college football playoffs? Because we knew they weren't – nine times out of ten, they're not going to beat a team like Alabama. Yeah. But exactly what Cody said, it's because they earned it, and we – they earned it, so we let them play it out. Gave them the opportunity to win that game. They didn't win that game, but that's what they earned. Florida State wasn't – they earned it, they just weren't given the opportunity. CFP yeah. doesn't really care about who earns it. They just care about the media attention they get from it. But they have to mm-hmm. hit right on two or at least three of their picks in order for it to be like, okay, well, at least they got this right. Because if it was all media, then they'd absolutely they'd be torn apart. And an interesting uh, story that we will absolutely be watching, college football Probably fans will, is the fact that Florida State or the state of Florida – has granted Florida State up to a million dollars in a possible lawsuit that they will be backing the university if they were to choose to do anything with that. So we'll see. I don't know really what would come of that, but yeah, maybe maybe I think Florida State should just go ahead and claim national champions like UCF did in 2018 and uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, and and get along with it. But they won't. But I hope they beat Georgia. Oh, I don't think they will. It'd be amazing that. if oh. they beat Georgia and then Alabama loses to Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I. You know, Can't I'm kind of praying for that. <laughs> but that's going to do it. <laughs> yeah, for, I uh, why you <laughs> yeah, I wonder why I'd be praying Alabama beats Michigan. But that's going to do it for this episode of Sports Wrap. Only 18 minutes long. Not too bad. Lucas, I hope you're keeping updated with the Knicks. But we'll go ahead and start with you for shout-outs. Uh, yeah, shout-out to uh, Blue's Clues and my grandma and my sister Amanda and her husband Tiago and their dog Suarez and the baby on the way. Anyone else? All right. Uh, shout out. Shout out my friends and family as this semester ends on Sports Wrap for me. And shout out Zach Wilson for saying, hey, I'm actually not going to play for you anymore to the Jets. Jets said, hey, we're going to move back to Zach Wilson. And he said, nah. Robert Sala texted and he said, we're short staffed tonight. And he said, ah, oh, that's crazy. Good luck, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out my mom and dad. Uh, 
And shout out to you guys for having me on the last sports wrap. I'm a senior, graduating December 15th, so I'm glad I could get on it. And uh, shout out Pedialyte, because electrolytes are no joke. Uh, shout out to my friends and family. I know i got a couple listening up here in Boone and in Charlotte. And my grandma up in Ohio, always listening. And, um, yeah, shout out shout out to the crew here. As Cody and Noah, last time on, Lucas, you had mentioned earlier that we will have a sports wrap on Thursday. So Ooh. this is the penultimate episode. But the grand finale of the Pickums will be on Thursday. So make sure to tune into that. And make sure to stay tuned into the station as the 745, the pregame show, begins for App State versus Central Penn. So don't go anywhere. But this has been Sports Wrap here on 90.5 WASU. And for the next 15 minutes, we'll send you back to your regularly scheduled programming. Have a great night, everybody.